How many of you were there in the MyTech? Well, all of you, almost. <laughs> almost 99%. Well, uh, it was an awesome time. I just showed you some pictures. So this was the, 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 it's awesome, right? I love the slides and, and it was uh, just a wonderful occasion. Just a wonderful occasion. Over 6,000, uh, 400 of us were there. And it's so wonderful to sing and praise God together. And this is a show. We had an awesome show. And, uh, and I'm not boasting, but m many of the VIPs said that this is world class. <laughs> I am boasting. I am boasting. I am boasting. Okay, this is some of the accepts of the show. And uh, uh, I want to thank all the cool cast and crew and everybody who worked so hard. Once again, thank you so much again. There were over, uh, almost a thousand volunteers. They came to serve the ushers, the connectors, and everybody, you know. And, uh, uh, well, if you're from SIBKL and you missed it, too bad. Lah. We won't repeat it again, okay, because a lot of effort put into it, and it was, it was so good. Now, I'm going to show you a short video of the closing moment. Here's the closing moments of the whole celebration. What happened? Okay, uh, well, this is a wrap. If those of you who went around to the lobby would have seen all these wraps uh, that, that, uh, that, that was under the various tech lines that SIB had, like for example, fly high, last long, you know, uh, big is not strong, small is not strong, strong is strong, and we had pictures of our people uh, on the desk. So we're going to bring these wraps back into SIB, BY as well as here, and we find some space to put it on the walls, right? so we remind ourselves. It was also a timeline as well. Did you all see the timeline? Most of you didn't see that. Never mind. So we're going to bring the timeline back, telling us all the things. So we're going to bring it back here uh, because a lot of effort is put into this and we don't want to waste it. And uh, this is a cake, all right? Many of you didn't see that. This is an official anniversary cake. Uh, I want to thank the ladies that donated this cake and also many of the ladies that made a, uh, almost a thousand cupcakes, you know what I mean? Almost a... 3,000, I was so, wow, serious. How did they do that? So thank you, everybody who, who contributed. And uh, of course, uh, this is a cake cutting ceremony. And uh, there's a food truck, the food hall. And we had uh, 400 tables in that hall. Over 4,000 people stayed back. In, the food may not be so good, but it's a fellowship. They're more important. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I commit this time to you that as we look into your word now, help me to communicate it precisely accurately and as it is, Father Lord, so that it is the words of God that speaks to a spirit man through the word, through the voice of a mere mortal. So I submit myself to you now as we look into your word. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And of course, people say, The title of my message today is entitled, So Be Ready. Where did I get this title from? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We are doing Matthew 25 today because this is the finishing stages of our study on the Gospel of Matthew uh, 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 this year. It's so interesting that, I don't know about you, but uh, we benefited a lot as we prepared all these sermons. And in fact, uh, you know, there's somebody here and I'm going to ask him uh, to share his testimony at the watch night service who's... Uh, the wife was praying for the husband for years. So every time I see her, I say, oh, my husband doesn't want to come as a pre-believer and so on and so forth. But do you know that while we did the whole Gospel of Matthew this year, he came one Sunday and he accepted the Lord. You know. Isn't it? Come on, let's give an offering. And he came yesterday for the DNA tea. And I spoke to him. He said, Pastor, I don't know why. You know, uh, I just came 
and the whole study of Matthew spoke to me and the wife was overjoyed. So I said, you know that your wife prayed years for you and today he's a totally changed man. Come on, let's give God a cup offering. So it has been a wonderful journey for us this year, the study of Matthew. So we're now coming to a close now, almost uh, to chapter 28. So we're doing uh, chapter 25 actually today. But I tell you where I got, I get the, 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 the title of my sermon is actually from the, towards the end of Matthew 24 when Jesus talks about the end times, what will happen during the end days and we won't go through it. But clearly, he did say that it will be, no one knows, verse 36, about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor even the Son, only the Father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. In verse 42, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Verse 44, so you must be ready. And from then onwards, Jesus, all in red, began to speak four parables to tell us how to get ready. And that's what I'm going to do today. So we must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. And then he goes to say and share four parables. You must remember that this is the last week of Jesus on planet Earth. And this is his last block of teaching in the manual of discipleship that we've talked about throughout the entire year. And in a sense, this is his last sermon. The first sermon was the Sermon on the Mount, remember? This is his last sermon. And in his last sermon, he's going to tell us how do we prepare ourselves for his return through four parables. So since I'm doing chapter 25, so we look, look at the second, third and fourth parable. I just mentioned the first parable which is the parable of the faithful and wise servant, servant, which goes from verse 45 to the end of chapter 24. The first parable sets the tone of the message of the all four parables, which is about, guess what? Serving. It is about the faithful and the wise servant. In other words, in the final words of Jesus to you and to me, surprisingly, as we prepare for the imminent return of the Lord, it is to serve. That's why in the first parable, Jesus set the tone for what he was about to say in the common denominator of all four parables, which is the foolish and the wise servant. Because in both cases, the master very clearly said, was described, took a long time in coming back. So people say, 20 2019 already, ma? Where? Do anything I like, ma? Live anyhow I want, ma? But worse still, why, sir? Come to church, go enough. Hear me well, friend. Please forgive me if I sound a bit hard-hitting. But I want to share with you what the Lord says. Clearly, my job as a senior pastor is to make sure everyone of us finish well. Understand? 
I'm not sure the pen produced. Please take this word very seriously from the Lord. So every one of these four parables tells us the way to get ready is to serve. The Luke equivalent is in Luke chapter 19 when Luke added in a similar parable called the parable of the Minas where same thing, somebody, the master gave the Mina which is three months wages to the servant and asked the servant to invest in it. And then Luke puts this verse and phrase of Jesus in Luke 19 verse 13. Occupy till I come. Another term for saying, work, serve. Jesus didn't say relax till I come. Do nothing till I come. Retire till I come. Be indifferent till I come. Just hear sermons till I come. No. Occupy. What's occupy? Occupation. Now, if you look at every form, application form that you fill up, whether it be immigration or whether it be for a job or whether it be for any official function thing, there's a term called occupation. What does occupation mean? Your work, right? a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman. So when Jesus says, occupy till I come, in other words, what is your work? Work for me. Serve me. We talk about the Japanese occupation. What does occupation mean? It's not the Japanese visitation. Those of you who went through those days will know what is Japanese occupation. They came in, possessed the land. They came in, took authority. So when Jesus says, occupy till I come, no matter whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a businessman, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're a student, you take possession of your realm. Remember the seven mountains? Occupy till I come. And so every one of the four parables and every one of this message is so distinctive that the Lord never repeats himself in each of these four focuses and yet the commonality, the overarching theme is serve, work, occupy, not your daily business, but for kingdom purposes. This is my intro. How to occupy. Now we look at the three, two of the three parables in Matthew 25, but it's the only time I have. But let me summarize to you in my own perspective, what is the theme and what was the focus on each of the three parables in Matthew 25, and it's this. The parable of the ten virgins, the common theme, the main message is, serve, but you must serve with reserves in mind. You don't give up. You don't let the lamb die off. You don't give up because of your distracted because you're careless, because you were indifferent, you didn't trim the lamp, you didn't have reserves, you allowed a lot of things to drain you. I will go into that in a bit more detail. The second, the third parable out of four is a parable of the talents. I give you two, you give me back two. I give you five, you get five. Take one, nothing. Worthless servant. What is it? Rewards. Is trading. There is a trading. I give you so much talent, you use it 
and invest in God's kingdom. So what is God saying? The whole thrust of that passage, and I will look into that in a little bit more detail, is about rewards. God is no man's debtor. He doesn't want to use you like a hard, feral taskmaster. Whip you. Serve me. Serve me. Serve me. That's why you don't want to serve. But says God, no. No. You serve me. He's the best master, the best employer. I will reward you. The fourth parable, which I don't have time to go into it in detail, is a very interesting parable. It's a parable of the sheep and the goats. And the trust of that parable is our focus as we serve the Lord are the rejects. Somehow or other, God has a soft spot for the prisoners, for the poor, the marginalized. And Jesus says, if you give a cup of water to one of these, you do it to me. Because the disciples asked, Lord, when did we give the water to you? When did we, serve, when did, we did, did, did this to you? He says, as much as you did this to one of these, the rejects of society, you did it to me. I won't have time to go into that. Let us now look at the parable of the ten virgins. And the overarching message there is that we must have results. Matthew 25, verse 1 to verse 13. Let's read it together. Is it okay with you? Alright, let's read it together. Alright. Come. Left to right. Front to back. Read it with me. Alright? Look, you come to church. Read scripture loud. Is okay with you? Alright. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Take any oil with them took oil in jars along with their lamps. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And trim their lamps. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. The bridegroom arrived, went in with him to the wedding banquet, opened the door for us. The context is a Jewish wedding. Even up to today, a traditional Jewish family still practices this, unlike the contemporary Jewish family, they don't. They go to the register and they sign and they wear all those uh, uh, usual wedding garments and so on. But a traditional Jewish family up to today still practices it. So what happens in a traditional Jewish family rabbinic family is this the bride and the bridegroom are betrothed in other words engaged they don't know when the bridegroom will come and keep san leong in chinese is take the bride nowadays we also do that in, in, in east but except that i don't like the stupid things they do to the, the groom sometimes we're obscene one you. why you want to humiliate them for i don't understand so, so anyway, the same principle. Huh? So the, 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 the bridegroom the, uh, 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 sends the delegation and then to receive the bride 
from her father's house. But then, the bride doesn't know when. Who decides? The father of the bridegroom decides when. Why? Because the father of the bridegroom decides to send the son to receive his bride into the father's house. The wedding banquet is held in the father's house. And it's usually done at night. That's why they had lamps. Why? To light the way. Because in those days, there are no street lamps. So I'm going to give you a picture of what happens today. So these are our bridesmaids. Receive the bride. And they're now going from the bride's house to the father of the bridegroom's house. The amazing thing is this. When they reach the father's house, what function were they going to? Look, I'm going to debunk some myths uh, on this parable because I'm going to be very faithful to scripture so that we don't have misrepresentations and fancy ideas about the parable. They are not going into the bridal chamber. They are going to what? The wedding banquet. So, remove the idea that the ten virgins are the ten brides. If it is, then the husband got ten wives. Not right. The ten virgins are not the bride. They are the bridesmaid. Only one bride. And all of them are not going into the bridal chamber. They are going into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut to the wedding banquet. Doesn't it remind you of what is to come? Jesus says when he started and initiated the Holy Communion, I will not drink of the cup and eat of the bread till I drink it with you when I come in, your king, in my kingdom. We are looking for the marriage supper of the Lamb every time we take the communion, right or wrong? Ah, they are foolish people, foolish virgins. Why virgin? Huh? Purity. So now comes the crux of the whole parable. Who were the virgins? Who? Clearly, we have already said it is not the bride. They are the bridesmaids. Who is the bride? Who is the bride of Jesus Christ? You tell me. The church. So the so what is the function of the bridesmaid? Every bridesmaid, every what is the function of the bridesmaid? To serve the bride. The bridesmaids there are not just to look pretty. The function of the bridesmaid is to ensure that the bride is taken care of and everything that she wants, the bridesmaid is there to make sure that the gown and, and the, all the tiara and everything else and the flowers and the bouquet are well. So now if I were to contextualize it into the setting of what Jesus is saying to you and to me as we await His imminent return, is that all of us are the bride, but we are to serve the bride. We are to serve. You don't like to hear this, sorry. The church. So you say to myself, Pastor, I dislike the church. That's why for many years I've never set foot on the church. So and so la offended me la. So and so la. Look, the church is imperfect. That's why the day will come and Jesus Christ will come back and take a bride that is without spot and without wrinkle. Correct or not? As it stands today, imperfect, yes, it is still the bride of Jesus Christ. So, in the end days, how do we get ready? Serve the bride. Be the wise ones, not the foolish ones. 
The church might have hurt you. The church is imperfect. And I'm the first one to say that to you. But it's still the bride of Jesus Christ. Can I say it? If any one of you who feels like leaving the church and criticizing the church, especially in Facebook, don't do that. You're buffeting the bride of Jesus. You're going to hit your wife and see, hit your wife or your girlfriend and see. Don't do that. It's imperfect, yes. But it is still the bride of Jesus Christ. Serve the church. So what are the common characteristics of the ten virgins? These are the common of all the ten. And I'll tell you the one single difference between the wise ones and the foolish ones. Listen to me carefully. Uh, this is in preparation uh, for the return of Jesus Christ. Now let me say this to you now. Footnote. Matthew 24. As in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end times. As in the days of Lot, so it will be in the end times. This is Jesus' words. So what is the characteristic of the days of Lot? So that we find a similarity in the end times to know that Jesus Christ's return is imminent. In the days of Lot, it was sexual perversion. Homosexuality was rife. So much so that when the two angels came to Racky the situation, they were very handsome, and the entire town of Sodom and Gomorrah were at the doorstep of Lot wanting to have sex with these two guys. Even Lot offered his daughters, uh, they don't want. You know how much sexual perversion it is today? As in the days of Lot, so it will be in the end times. What about Noah? As in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end times. What happened during the days of Noah? There were violence, rebellion. I don't have to tell this. You look at CNN, you know that. But more importantly, the main feature in the days of Noah was that the sons of God, which are the fallen angels, came down and had sex with the beautiful ladies of mankind and came out Nephilims. So what is the message of S in the days of Noah? Hybrids. Human hybrids hybridization of the humanity. Mixture. The entire image of man, which is an image of God, is distorted. You talk about genetic engineering, right? You talk about genetic manipulation of plants, of animals, and now they do it in human beings. AI. Do you know that many Japanese would prefer to have robotic wives because they submit to them? The entire image of man is totally distorted. Why? As in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end days. The entire hybridization and the distortion of the image of God in terms of his sexuality, in terms of the image and identity is so prevalent today. That's why the return of Jesus is very imminent. Come back to this passage. You see the commonality. All were, the common things is their role to serve the bride. So we must serve the church, imperfect though it may be. They were all eagerly waiting for the bridegroom. All had lambda. This is very important. I put it in yellow to highlight it. All had lambs. 
all had oil. All had were waiting for the return of the groom. And all recognized the voice of the bridegroom. So why do I highlight it? Because many people say they are pre-believers. The five foolish virgins were pre-believers. No! All had the same commonality. All were believers. Why? Will a pre-believer wait for the return of Jesus? You tell me. What is oil? Oil is Holy Spirit. Pre-believers don't have oil. And the light of the Spirit is never lighted. And all recognize the voice of the bridegroom. One crucial difference, and this is the crux of the message of the parable of the ten virgins as we prepare for the end days, is this. Five wise ones had reserves. The five foolish ones had lambs, but they were careless, they were tardy, they were indifferent, they took things for granted, they couldn't be bothered. They allowed a lot of things to come into their life to drain them, of, offended them. They left church. They left everything. Everything they left. Foolish. When the bridegroom returned, they were shut out. Hear me well, my friend. Hear me so well. Make sure that we finish the race well. Understand, finish well. Don't allow a lot of things that hinder you, offend you, pastors offending you, cell members and cell leaders doing, you should be done this way, done that way, I don't want to attend. What kind of stupid attitude is that? Forgive me, friends, forgive me. I was harder last night, no, tell you that. Is it okay if I tell you what is to help every one of us finish well? You know, who shut the door? You tell me. You see, the problem of the five foolish virgins was this. They thought they had time. So even though they ran out, uh, oh, I've got time. Uh. I'm so young. Uh. Wait until I'm more successful, I serve. Uh. Wait until I have more, my business is better, I serve. Uh. Because I've done my part, right? Now my time, give me rest. Uh, huh? Uh, after all, I'm offended. Let me give me time to, 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 to nurture my hurts. I got time. And that's what the five foolish virgins thought. So they went out to buy. They came back. The door was shut. Too late. Question. Who shut the door? The father. Because it is the father's house. And they knock at the door. Let me in! Let me in! I got oil now! Too late. So you tell me, Pastor, Jesus Christ is not coming back tomorrow. You are absolutely right. We don't know when He's coming back. Only the Father knows. But you may not have time. Your lamb, the oil have run out. The focus is not on the Father's banquet. The focus is on your preparation. Hear me very well. This is the word of the Lord. Don't trivialize serving the Lord. Occupy. Till I come. I'm going to ask you a question. 
Tell me another incident in the Bible when God shut the door. Noah's Ark. As in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end times. What happened? What happened in Noah's days? God told Noah to build the ark. You know how many years it took him to build that ark? Don't know, huh? But you know the people saw that? Did you see that? And I'm very sure Noah would have told, hey, get ready, friends, get ready. They all thought it was a big joke. Build the ark on dry land. Joker! Pastor, you talk rubbish. It will not happen. They thought it was a joke. Until the day the flood came. And God shut the door. And Jesus said, when God opens the door, nobody can shut. When God shuts the door for you, nobody can open. Hear me, hear me very well. Listen to me, friend. Listen to me very carefully. I want to say this to you. In order that you and I might be ready, you know. You know, that's why I, 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 I begin to appreciate what Billy Graham said. When he was asked before he passed off, what would be the first thing you say when you reach heaven? He said, the first thing I would say is, thank God I made it. What? You could have said, thank God for the millions of souls that have been saved. No. Thank God I made it. And today, he's with the Lord. Hear me very well, my friend. Don't let time run out on you because you were careless. That's my summary. The five foolish virgins did not take God seriously. They continued to do whatever they were doing without any realization of what God is saying to them. Seer, seer, sahaja. They were slothful and indifferent in their way they live, in the way they treat the church, in the way they prioritize the ministry to the kingdom. They were not ready. And sadly, Time ran out for them. So, in summary, occupy till I come. I refer you to verse 12, and this one I want to put a caveat on it because I don't know. In Matthew 25, verse 12, when these five foolish virgins pounded the door and asked the master or the owner to open the door, the answer is no. And then he said, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. And so, Commentators say the five foolish virgins were non-believers. No. They had oil. They had lamb. They recognized the master's voice. 
they were all waiting for the return of the groom, same like all the other five wise ones. So what happened? I don't know. And I don't want to speculate either. Except, you look at Matthew 24, verse 12. And I will just leave it like that. That's my perspective. My understanding, and I don't want to open a can of worms, is in Matthew 24, verse 12, when Jesus says, because of the increase of the wickedness in the end times, the love of most will grow cold. Most, you know. But he who stands firm to the end will be I will leave it like that. So, we're talking about getting ready for end times. Make sure, make sure that the light in your, the, the lamp in your life is lighted up. Understand? And don't allow anything to deplete you so that your love for God grows cold. Don't do that. Grow cold means no light lah. Grow cold means no fire, lah, correct or not? The parable of the talents is so affirming, affirming because Jesus now says, You serve me. I am no man's debtor. I will reward you. One. I will reward you. Like the parable of the Remember what Kuntat shared about the servants? Those who serve, they get their returns, they get their wages. Again and again, many times in the Bible, in the whole manual of discipleship, Jesus talks about compensation, talks about rewards, talks about returns of your investment. In other words, he is no man's debtor. What you do here will have a repercussion and a reward and a return in heaven. And there's a whole trust of this. The master gave the servant five talents. Gave two talents. The key is return. And every one of us have got a talent. What are you doing about it? Because the indictment upon that one person with one talent, only one talent, ma. So please do not envy those people who are multi-talented like Pastor Lee Chu. Huh? <laughs> oh, yo, I'm so envious of her. Everything can do one. Huh? Hey, she's got to answer more to God than you. you know? Don't envy, ah. Huh? And please don't envy those people who are richer than you. Huh? Don't envy, ah. Huh? You be faithful to what you have. Don't look across the fence. They are accountable to God. Strangely, eh? and I will just say this, and I will not repeat it. The actual word has to do with your finances. Actually. Talent is bags of gold, not your giftings. Just leave it. We won't read it. The key is this He will come one day and settle accounts with you. Hey, God will settle accounts with you all. I'm just telling you what Jesus says only, huh? He will come day one a settled account because, because why? He's entrusted it to you, ma. You think you're so great, right? You think I'm so multi-talented, can sing like can act like can do everything. Praise God. Everybody should acclaim me, affirm me. You think you're so rich and therefore all your riches belong to you? Hey, 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 hey. Please. He's entrusted to you. And one day, 
you have to settle accounts with him. Incidentally, uh, you cannot take somebody else's oil. Uh, the fact if your wife is more spiritual than you doesn't make your trip to heaven easier. Huh? Because the five wise ones say, cannot, you have to get your own oil. So don't, don't depend upon your pastor. Every one of us is answerable to God himself. So there will be rewards. As we prepare for the coming of the Lord, as we serve, in no matter what capacity you do, all right, God is no man's debtor, there will be rewards. All right? Now, how are these rewards given? Number one, it is in accordance with your ability. If you are able to do this and unable to do that because you cannot do it, God is not going to judge you. If you cannot sing, you cannot sing. Alright? If you cannot do this, you cannot do this. It doesn't matter. One. But there must be something you can do. No? If you are a businessman, you're good at earning money, earn money for God. Certain businessmen are very good at earning money. One, no? Some people are very good at investing. One, no? Correct? I don't. I can't. One. And I've got absolutely no color sense one. So I, I, I don't envy people who can sing who have no color sense. And my dream is always to play the drums. So every time I see Rudy play the drum, I picture myself there banging the drum. But I, I got no sense of coordination one. So I cannot play the drums one. But I can preach that. So, so I don't know. You, you do what you're good at. And you will be rewarded according to the one single thing that God has entrusted to you. Do it. Do it faithfully. And your reward is the same. 100% return. It's not that the guy with, with, with more, no, he's more accountable. Same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. I will be, put you in charge of many things. Same commendation. God is no man's debtor. God is very just one. Understand? Don't envy other people. More importantly is don't be lazy. That's what he said. You lazy. What is wicked? Huh? And I've given you the definition of wicked before. And I will say it again. Wicked is not evil. Huh? Evil, there's no evil. Wicked is somebody who has something to give and not give it. That's wicked. Wicked is not evil. Wicked is somebody who has something to give but withhold it. And I gave you this dramatic illustration and I would use it. If you eat a packet of fried kway teow and you cannot finish, you order Thai, and you cannot finish the fried kway teow, and there is a beggar who is hungry asking you, can I have that? And you look at the beggar, take the half-finished kwetiao, put it into the dustbin. That's wicked. Many of us got things to do for God. And we don't do it. Especially for the rejects. False parable, the rejects. Listen to me very carefully. You wicked. Why? You could have used it. Even put the one talent in the bank, you could have got interest. But you're lazy, you're absolutely cold, absolutely indifferent, absolutely distracted by all the things that, that occupy your time.
Don't be like one talent guy who did nothing. Again, I don't understand this. And I don't want to read too much into it. But what I do understand, I will share with you. Now, you, what, I don't, what I do understand is this. The one talent guy who did not use it and buried it, thinking that, ah, praise God, I, I, can, be, I can be indifferent, I can go to case, sarah, sarah in my life, do whatever I want to do, enjoy myself. Nothing wrong with that, huh? Nothing wrong with that. But when it came to settling the accounts, Jesus says, I will now deprive you of your reward. Who is a loser? You, ma. God gave you the one talent, you didn't use it, right? So you cannot blame God, no. Correct or not? And not only are you deprived, you are depleted. What you have is also taken away. In other words, you have no heart to serve God. You got no money to give him. Why? Because you had money, you didn't use it, now you forever have a hole in your pocket. You are deprived, you are depleted. I don't understand this. What is outer darkness? I don't know. All I do know is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Wood, hay, stubble, burnt away. And you're just saved by the skin of your teeth. Biblical word. You are just saved by the skin of your teeth. Everything that you do uh, counts for nothing uh, in the eternal purpose of God. Hear me very well, my friend. Hear me very well. It's a heart-hitting message especially after our 25th anniversary celebration. Huh? But is it necessary? Yeah. You know, we were having our early born prayer meeting yesterday. And towards the end, they passed the mic to me. And I don't know what to say one sometimes, you know. We were reading all the Psalms, praising God. And as I was taking the mic, the, the picture that came to my mind very soon after the celebration of the 25th anniversary, well, you know, I'm a World War II buffer. So the picture that came to my mind within a split second was the American soldiers marching in triumphal procession along the Champs-Élysées, along the streets of Paris, when Paris was liberated. They were marching in perfect formation with bayonets, marching, and all the people were cheering, wow, Paris is liberated, celebrate. Do you know that the same group of American soldiers within the next two hours were fighting? They were marching through celebration into battle. And the Lord said this to you, we celebrate, but we still have to fight. Don't put your guard down. It is not over. And one way for us to prepare for the next 25 years is to be on our guard again and again. Jesus says, watch, watch, watch who? Watch yourself. Watch. Be careful. It's not lack of instruction. Is obedience. But what I do know is this, the gnashing of teeth. I understand that very well. Why? Gnashing of teeth equals regret. So there will be outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Regret what? Three things. You will regret if you do not take what I share with you very seriously this morning of wasted time. Time cannot take back one. You will regret of opportunities lost. You had the opportunity to bless, but you didn't. 
you had the opportunity to share the gospel, but you kept quiet. You had the opportunity to encourage somebody. You didn't do it because you were so self-centered. Opportunities lost. And you will regret on the funds that you have squandered on worthless things. Literally, I've heard a tycoon saying this, who played with the stock market, and in one stroke, when the, when the Dow Jones fell, he lost 200 million overnight. And he said this, if only uh, I had used this 200 million uh, for God's kingdom, Lost it. You know how many pastors' salary can be paid? You know how many churches can be built? You know how many missionaries can be sent? One stroke. Gone. I like this quote. Life humbles you as you age. And this is especially relevant to this service. You realize how much money and time you have wasted on nonsense. Can I encourage you, friend? Can we take cognizance of where we are today? Can we take it seriously what Jesus says? Because time may run out. So be careful, be watchful, be faithful, be useful. Don't be worthless. You know, rich people always talk. Hey, how much is that person worth? How much are you worth? How much is he worth? And they compare. Don't you think a more important question is, how how much are you worth for God? They They always quantify, nothing wrong, I'm I'm not against the richer, please forgive me. I'm not, I'm not. Honestly, I honor you. You've done well. But more importantly is how much are we worth before God? And it is absolutely tragic if God says to you and to me, no matter how successful you are on planet Earth, worthless servant, good for nothing. That's what it means. Worthless. Occupy till I come. Hallelujah. Love Him. Thank Him. Serve Him. Out of the gratitude that you have. Because surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you dwell in the house of the Lord. So, Father, I'm going to thank you today for the Word of God that has been released. I want to pray, God, that even as we continue on in our journey as a disciple of Jesus Christ, may we be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding work of the Lord for as much as we know that our labour is not in vain in the Lord love him friend serve him God is no man's debtor and so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day 
May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face to each and every one of you and always grant you peace. Shalom. In Jesus' precious name I pray and of course people say aloud. Let's give God a good clap offering. God bless you.